0: So this is episode 57 of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Vincent Rappasardi joins me now. Vincent, thanks for coming on, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate
0: it. So I want to get into four mini subjects that really concern the Giants, especially this week uh, before we get into the Buccaneers preview. Obviously, we face them on Monday night. Should the Giants trade for a receiver like John Ross? In my opinion, I don't think it's a bad addition. And I obviously wouldn't give up too much for him because he is just, you know, scrambling to get out of Cincinnati right now. He doesn't even want to play for the team. What's your objective on trading for a wide receiver, especially to help Daniel Jones?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of – it seems like a lot of people – aside from Kenny Galladay, because I think there were a decent amount of people on Twitter who liked the idea of trading for a player like Kenny Galladay. But let's say a player like John Ross or any receiver in general. I think for the most part, unless it's a young – wide receiver um and the price isn't too high. A lot of people like it, but usually most people are against making a trade for a receiver with the Giants being one and six. But um I'm opposed to that because I, I do think that um you need to give your young quarterback as many good weapons as possible and make sure that he's the guy. That's the most important thing. You need to know if Daniel Jones is the guy moving forward. Some people believe he is, some people believe he's not um so I, if I were the GM, I would. I would make a trade. It doesn't mean he has to give up a first-round pick or a second-round pick. Um, but a player like John Ross, if you could take a flyer and add another talented player, I mean, he hasn't really done much over his career. He's been injured, hasn't really been available. So uh, you're not getting any sure bet uh, by trading for him, but you do add, do add some talent. In general, if I were the Giants, I would not be opposed to trading for a wide receiver, putting Daniel Jones in a good position. Because the thing is, even if the Giants – they're not going to do anything special this year. I think we can all agree on that. Even if they compete in the NFC moving forward and all right, they're a game or two out here there. Um, they're probably not going to do much after that, except compete in the NFC because it's such a bad division. Um, but if Daniel Jones plays well, let's say the, the, the next half of the season, the second half of the season really plays well, then all of a sudden, I think they're feeling a lot better. Even if they only win four games, so they win five games, at least they know, oh, wow, Daniel Jones really played better. They added, let's say, a wide receiver. Looks like it helped him out. And uh, they can go forward knowing, okay, this guy can be the franchise quarterback. Or maybe if they make a trade and he doesn't play well, then they know he's not.
0: I could get on uh two sides when it comes to kenny galladay argument but i could really see a trade for john ross being that you know he's low risk he hasn't done anything really in his career because of his injuries you know all the other stuff and i don't think cincinnati would ask for something like a third round pick more like a sixth and seventh and if i'm not mistaken john ross's uh fifth year option he was a first round pick in i believe 2016 or 2017 his option was declined so you're only getting you know the rest of the year out of him and if he works you know fine you sign him to you know uh, not big money deal, but at the same time, you know, if he doesn't work, you know, you just know from now on, you know, that he isn't one of your receivers in the future.
1: Of course, it's kind of like one of those uh, low-risk, high-reward kind of kind of deals. Obviously, former first-round pick. Uh, there's definitely talent there, and he's a guy that can stretch the field, and I think uh, that's something I talked about before the season. I thought they needed another Darius Slayton kind of player, and that's who John, John Ross is, and Darius Slayton kind of banged up and uh you know sterling shepherd golden Tate, those guys are those guys are going to catch passes uh they're going to have a uh, a low yards before catch they're not going to catch passes further down the field for the most part high they're not that high targeted air yards so to have a backup plan for darius layton at least and maybe something more in, in um in john ross i say why not as long as as long as it's uh, you're not giving up too much six seven-round pick would sound pretty good for the giants i'm sure
0: And a lot of people were talking about, oh, Darius Slane, he's going to be a number one. Well, he, I don't necessarily think he's the number one for a lot of reasons. And I'm not, you know, totally stabbing him in the back and saying that, but he's a good receiver. He just can't carry the load every time when, you know, Golden Tate isn't getting separation or someone else like Damian Ratley. Because I guess now we've seen that, you know, after that Cowboys game, they cut Damian Ratley after they, you know, uh, got him on the waiver wire and cut Corey Coleman. So I guess that was a bust. But uh, to see if they elevate Coleman on Monday to kick return, obviously, maybe he'll get an extended look in the offense. But uh, uh, that's my main view on that, obviously. And one of my, uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, take Trevor Lawrence next year, take uh, Panayisi. Well, I honestly think they should probably take a wide receiver uh, for right now. Obviously, my prospect will change on that. But, you know, you give Daniel Jones another weapon. And we'll see how he does through the rest rest of the year with this offensive line play and also the wide receiver play, see how it goes, if Slayton or uh, Shepard get banged up, if that affects him.
1: Of course. And, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, without Sterling Shepard, Daniel Jones is obviously not as good of a quarterback because at the end of the day you need to give your quarterback weapons. Your young quarterback, you need weapons. I think the way I look at it is, you know, uh, a young quarterback, you want to give him his first, second-year quarterback, maybe even third-year quarterback, you want to give him as many weapons as possible, as, good of an as many good players around him on offense as possible, so that you can figure out if he's the guy or if he's not. And if he has all those players and he's not the guy, and he's not performing, then you know he's not the guy. Um, but when it comes to, like, a veteran 10-, 12-year quarterback who's a franchise quarterback, that player you hope can elevate players, just like Eli elevated Victor Cruz. I mean, Victor Cruz is an undrafted player. I don't – you know, if Victor Cruz had some average, you know, whatever quarterback, I don't know if he's – would have done what he had accomplished um, in 2011, 2012. I don't know if he would have been that player, but he had a really good franchise quarterback in Eli Manning that I definitely feel like elevated uh, a player like Victor Cruz. So with young players, young quarterback like Daniel Jones, you want to give him as many weapons as possible. And uh, I really thought Dave Gettleman kind of messed up in the draft, not even drafting a wide receiver. Uh, This past draft class was pretty deep at wide receiver, and he didn't use a single pick. Um, And I, I think he had to know that, Sterling Shepard had concussion issues last year. He's kind of been, he's been a little bit injury prone. So you can't really trust him to play a full 16 games. Obviously that's not going to be true this year either. Um, Golden Tate getting up there in age. I like Darius Slayton. I agree with you. I think Darius Slayton's a good receiver. I just don't think he's a number one, but I think he's a really good wide receiver too. And I think if you can get another elite receiver, I wouldn't be against the Giants taking a wide receiver in the first round. The only thing I would say is, in recent years, it seems like there's been a lot of good wide receivers in the draft. It seems like you really find like good, talented receivers in the second, even second, third, fourth round. Even like a player like Chase uh, Claypool in this past draft class looks like a stud. So um, I would be against the first uh, wide receiver in the first round by the Giants, but also there's usually a lot of talent wide receiver in the draft.
0: So the next topic, obviously, you know. It's, you know, it, it was kind of expected from the way Andrew Thomas, you know, came in the draft. You know, nobody in their right mind would expect him to be, you know, the best tackle in the NFL. Uh, being a rookie, with overall, has a lot of expectations. But it's a tricky situation right now because he's probably among, or if not the worst tackle in the NFL. Six sacks, 37 pressures so far. Uh, Matt Parrott showed a lot, I would say, in that Redskin game at left tackle. And, you know, he also had Cameron Fleming, so uh in your mind if you were joe judge what would you do as far as to get thomas you know uh i would say more playing time but at the same time uh good reps better reps make sure he does better uh would you put him at right tackle put parrot at left tackle would you do the opposite and put parrot in at right tackle would you keep doing what they're doing right now which putting parrot in sometime at left tackle sometime at right tackle keep fleming on the field what would you do
1: so I would put Andrew Thomas at the right tackle. Uh, that's something I've, I've tried to be uh, – I've been very outspoken with because at the end of the day, you know, fourth overall pick, a lot of pressure on this guy to step in and be Walter Jones. That's what people expected, and I thought, you know, relax. I understand he's the fourth pick, the fourth overall pick. But uh, there's a lot of pressure on this guy to all of a sudden be this franchise left tackle day one. So if I were the Giants, I would put him at right tackle because right now he's struggling badly as you talked about the amount of sacks the amount of pressures pass block win rate is terrible too it's among the worst among among tackles in the NFL um, at one point it was like 149th of 167 offensive linemen so he's been bad and I think what you do at least you split snaps with Cam Fleming at right tackle and and Matt Parrott play left tackle seems like you said like you played well um, in the Washington game um, so you play Matt Parrott at left tackle and I think you You play Andrew Thomas at right tackle, at least splitting snaps, maybe just being a full-time starter at right tackle. Try and get his confidence back. Take a little pressure off the guy. You don't want to ruin a player, um, especially at his position at left tackle. It's not an easy position. This is what I think people don't get. You know, if Andrew Thomas was a wide receiver, and let's say he dropped 12 passes over the course of his rookie season, but he caught 10 touchdowns, people would say, okay, he dropped some passes, but 10 touchdowns, wow, he had a good year. You know, all right, he has a lot of potential when you're an offensive tackle, if you give up a sack a game, they remember that. People remember that. They say, wow, no, Andrew Thomas, another week he gave up a sack? Wow, he's terrible. And, and that's all they look at. They don't look at, wow, he made a good block? No, they're going to look at, wow, I gave another sack. They always look at the bad place. It's, it's a thankless position. So that's why I was in favor of starting him at right tackle, taking a little pressure off him. I know people say, oh, it's the same thing. The edge rushers are good. No, 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 it's not the same thing. That's why everyone was saying Andrew Thomas is the left tackle of the future because people understand people understood the importance of the blind side, uh, the blind side position. And now people want to switch their, you know, switch their opinions. Say, no, no, they're the same It's you know, no, they're not Play him at right tackle, take some pressure off him. see how he plays. Um, and really judge it from there. Cause right now it, it, it's bad. It's been a bad start for him. Uh, take some pressure off the guy. I would say start him at right tackle, take the, the spotlight off him a little bit.
0: Honestly, I would not be mad. Now, there's obviously select giant fans that would be mad because, oh, he was drafted for this reason. I wouldn't be mad if Parrott was the franchise left tackle and Thomas was the franchise right tackle, in my opinion, because it still works out either way. Um, yeah, no,
1: of course.
0: Yeah, um, if the draft was tomorrow, I know who I'm picking. Do you, Have you checked out on any of the prospects yet? Do you have, like, an ideal position or ideal player? If the draft was tomorrow, who would you be picking? Hmm.
1: That's, that's a tough one. You know, I really haven't done too much uh, too much draft preparation at this point um, because I'm still undecided on what, what direction the Giants are going to go with their quarterback. I'm not totally done with Daniel Jones, but at the same time, I don't know, I'm in the middle. I still need to see more from him, and I think it really, really depends, and it depends on what happens with Dave Gettleman, too. I've said, you know, if Dave Gettleman stays for whatever reason, let's say he is the Giants general manager moving forward after the season, and Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback moving forward, and that's it. Um, Or at least for one more season, at least one more season. But if Dave Gettleman goes, and all of a sudden I think that's it for Daniel Jones. I mean, unless he he plays great at the end of the season, I think that's it for Daniel Jones. So it could depend. Maybe a player like Justin Fields. I know a lot of people talk about Trevor Lawrence, but Justin Fields, he's playing really well tonight. Um, I like Justin Fields a lot, and I think that he wouldn't be a bad pick. Uh, I don't think the Giants are going to get the number one pick. I think the Jets are a lot worse than the Giants. Yeah. So I don't think the Giants will have an opportunity to take a Trevor Lawrence, but I think Justin Fields, if if this Daniel Jones thing doesn't work out and Dave Gettleman gets fired and the new GM has, let's say, the number two or number three pick in the draft, I think a player like Justin Fields uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. But again, we'll have to watch and see, and see how Daniel Jones plays in the second half of the season moving forward.
0: Now, I think, obviously, it uh, depends on how the Giants finish the season. They have a tough schedule. They have, like, four out of six teams in the second half of the season that are competing in the division. There's the Cardinals, there's the Seahawks, there's the Browns, there's uh, the Ravens as well. And I think a lot of people are going to be pissed off. Let's just say the Giants, maybe Daniel Jones. uh, Isn't that guy, and it's also the expectation, too, it's not just about the play, um, that Daniel Jones is sort of like an Eli Manning. He's not going to make uh, fantastic plays. He's going to make the plays that he's supposed to, though. And people are going to be like, oh, well, that's not good enough for a six overall pick. Let's draft a quarterback. And what's going to turn out to be is, like, let's just say, I think the Jets are still going to get the first overall pick. I do agree with you on that. Let's say, select Trevor. If the new GM, if there is a new GM, doesn't like Justin Fields or Trey Lance... Then I think, you know, he's going to go against this thing where it's like, oh, automatic upgraded quarterback. He might draft an offensive lineman to help Daniel Jones and see where they're at. He might draft a, I don't know, maybe a cornerback or a linebacker just to like, you know, spice in the defense. Or he might draft a wide receiver. So I just think that a lot of Giant fans, you know, oh, automatic upgraded quarterback. You still have other positions on the field that you need to fix. You don't know if Thomas is going to make it out, Uh you know, with the new GM. Uh, I mean that's you know a little uh, crazy to think, but who knows? We've seen crazier things before. And then Ryan Lewis, he's your not he's not your second cornerback, and Devontae Downs, he's not your second linebacker. So those are the things that uh, Giants need to think long term going into next year. But obviously, we are not there yet.
1: No, of course. And um, in terms of the, the quarterback situation, if there was a new GM, you know, I said this about Ron Rivera. Um, with the Redskins the uh, Washington football team having the second pick in last year's draft. And I said, I would have taken either Tua or Herbert. And I think a lot of people are like, no, that's crazy. Chase Young's the best player. I, I said, I know, I know Chase Young is the best player in the draft, but at the same time your first year as head coach, he football operations position that he has, he has the opportunity to draft his quarterback, his future quarterback. There's some good options there with Tua and Herbert. Um, so, and I don't know, maybe they messed up. Maybe maybe they missed here because now they don't know who their quarterback is. They don't know what pick they're going to have. I'm not saying they can't. Maybe they sure they draft their quarterback and they're fine. But he had a great opportunity in his first season to draft a franchise, potential franchise quarterback and decided to go for an edge rusher. It may work out. We'll have to see in the long run. But I feel like most GMs or most, most people in those situations, first year you have a good pick and you have an opportunity to take, there's some good quarterbacks available. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a new GM came in and said Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever, whoever's available there for the Giants. Um, Because at the end of the day, that that quarterback, you know, the job of the GM really relies on the quarterback. So uh,
2: Mark Ross, I I know that after he had left the Giants, um, he had said, you know, I think he kind of said that, all right, we wanted to move on from Eli, you know, years before, but they wouldn't let us. You know, John Mara obviously had a special connection with uh with Eli line, we kinda know how that went. But in, in terms of you know, most GMs they, they wanna they wanna direct their own quarterback. They want or they want to trade for they want to bring in their own guy because at the end of the day that guy is really he's gonna be the reason you you're good or you're bad. I mean that's just kinda how it goes. Sure you can have teams where you have great defense and just dominates and you win football games, but for the most part you gotta get your franchise quarterback and uh, you know, if a new GM comes into the Jets, I think that's that's you know, I, I think that's probably going to happen unless Daniel Jones just plays so well over the next.
0: Uh, what do we got? Seven, uh, nine games. So we'll see. And uh, going back to your point on like Mark Ross, you know there were reports, multiple multiple reports coming out like year year and a half after Ben McAdoo was fired, uh, that uh, Ben McAdoo wanted to trade up for Patrick Mahomes. How wild would that have been? But they said no. Let's uh, let's take a third round quarterback instead.
2: Yeah, that was interesting I think that's definitely one uh, one one story that people want to talk about and you know fair enough look if, Pat, if Ben Mackley drafts Patrick Mahomes Ben is probably still head coach of the New York Giants that's just kind of goes to show you how important it is to get a quarterback and make sure you get the right guy and it's so weird Davis Webb they take Davis Webb and then he doesn't even start a game you take him to the third round and then he's gone and then he's gone because you know Dave Gettleman took over so you got a new regime Dave Gettleman didn't draft Davis Webb so I think that's actually a great lesson. That's kind of a great point in this is, you know, when guys don't draft certain guys, I think you had mentioned about Andrew Thomas. You wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be surprised if the new gem came in. You never know. Maybe they get rid of Andrew Thomas. Maybe they trade Andrew. You never know. As crazy as it sounds right now, a new gym comes in, you never know what to expect.
0: And going back to, um, well, not going back to, but like going towards a point of mine uh, starting now, it seems to me obviously a lot of Giants fans want Dave Gettleman fired and you know some is to blame on him some is not to blame on him um with some of the moves he's made some of the trades he's made unfortunately like some players have regressed under his draft class but uh we've really seen it in the last couple of years of just like sports in general but i've really identified it as like mostly football um i know a lot of people could come up with like more uh examples than I can, you look at the Jets and what they did with John Idzik, but you also look at the Giants and what they're doing with Gettleman. Reports are saying that Mara is going to fire him after the end of the year. Um, as much as Gettleman has done maybe not for the best of this organization, you still have to see his plan th- throughout. And, you know, maybe people were convinced oh, Pat Shermer's not the guy. But that was his quarterback that he drafted. Even though reports came out later that he said, okay, I wanted Drew Locke. But, you know, I just think short tenures for these GMs and for these head coaches, you know, in the last couple of years mean that the dis- mean that the organizations are dysfunctional. And, you know, I think if the Giants elect to fire Gettleman, whether it's a good reason, whether it's not a good reason, you know, we're going to turn into the Jets. And maybe, you know, Mara doesn't make smart decisions going forward, even though he loves them. But, you know, some of the decisions he hasn't made for the best.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the Dave Gettleman situation is just so tricky because, I mean, every Giants fan wants him fired. I always, uh, you know, I always try to be as realistic as possible whenever I talk about the Giants and try and objectively view them. You know, I think one, one thing that people don't get, um, first of all, the Giants are still in the process of rebuilding. Sure, they should have taken – ex- you would have expected them to take better strides than they currently have, especially on offense. Sure, fair enough. Um but this is still a team that I think, at best, most thought would win six or seven games. I think most people probably realistically would think that they would win that many, you know, that amount of games. So, you know, people wanted the GM fired last year, and I said, okay. But you realize when a new GM comes in, he wants to start over. He wants, you know, he wants new players. He wants this. He wants new quarterback. Do this. Do that. And then all of a sudden, you thought, all right, the Giants are just going to pick off where, you know, pick up where they are at, and they're going to move forward, and he's going to keep the players that they get them and and brought in and built up and then he's just going to continue to build on and win and sometimes they don't want that. What if a new gym comes in and says, you know what? Dexter Lawrence, he's cool and all, but we don't need kind of a good run-stuffing defensive tackle. I'd rather trade him and get a third-round pick. Or, you know, we don't need, uh, I don't know, a Daniel Jones. We'll trade him, we'll get a fourth-round pick. All of a sudden, those are guys that were first-round picks, first-round value, and now you're getting let's say third, fourth round picks in return from them, you're starting over, new players, new draft picks that are going to take years to develop. You just never know. That's the point. And so a lot of people want to get him in fire. Last year I said, I don't don't know. I mean, he's still rebuilding the team. I don't think it makes much sense to fire him. Let him continue to rebuild the team. He had a great draft, uh, not a a great free agent class this past offseason, but Bradbury Martinez, in fact, well, they've been outstanding. So I know everyone thinks that he's the worst GM to ever uh, walk the planet, but no, he's, he's made some interesting moves, made some good moves, and it, look, they're a rebuilding team, they're a developing team, let's go with the developing team. So you're going to expect them to not play that great. I, you know, I, you're know, you going to expect them to have their bumps in the road. I did think that they would compete more than they currently have. I do not think they would be, I mean, 1-6, that's not a great spot. They've had some definitely winnable, winnable games, uh, close games, but at the end of the day, you know, really, I mean, the second half of the season is going to be huge uh, for Dave Gettleman. So uh, everyone wants to find a savior. They want to find a savior for the Giants. Oh, fire Jerry Reese and Dave Gettleman will be great. Now it's fire Dave Gettleman. Someone else will be great. And fire Ben McAdoo and someone will be great. And Pat Shermer, fire him. Someone else will be better. You know, keep looking for a savior. I mean, it's amazing how people just keep looking for a savior, 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 You're putting too much expectations on these people. And they're not living up to expectations. It makes it worse. It makes, makes it more. Oh, my gosh. Even
0: in negativity, it's like enough. Yeah, and, you know, we could be heading in that path, and I'm not going to, you know, totally be negative about it, but people just, you know, act like Jets fans. Jets fans appreciate their team more than some Giants fans. It's unfortunate. (sighs) Um,. Going into the preview now, I know I saw your Twitter uh, a couple minutes before we did this. You started posting, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks uh, defense. I think it was like EPA or something. I'm going to go through like uh, just like individual stats here. Their offense is 15th in total yards per game, 8th in passing yards per game. Their pass rate, I believe, is 11th in the NFL. Uh, rushing yards, they're 21st. They split the fa- they split the backfield with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And then 3rd in points. Their defense is 3rd in total yards per game, 9th in passing yards, 1st in rushing yards best run defense, and also eighth in points, but you compare them to the Giants, their offense in total yards is 31st, passing yards 30th, rushing yards 27th, and then points 31st, defense total yards 13th, passing yards 21st, rushing yards 8th, and points 4th. Now, um, this may be an unreal expectation, I don't know what you think about this, uh, Vincent, but like, you know, As much as the Giants are 1-6, they've stayed in mostly every contest. Now, they haven't played all four quarters. But I don't think it's an unreal expectation to see them compete in this game. Sure, maybe the offensive line might get destroyed because of the defensive line they're facing. But I sort of compare it to the Pittsburgh game where, you know, Pittsburgh was coming in with, like, some of the best uh, defenders on the side of the ball. And, you know, the best run defense or uh, the best pass defense. And the Giants competed, I would say, well overall. Like, obviously, they made some mistakes, but you know, as I said, everybody's gonna, you know, say, "Oh, this is a blowout." All the spread said this. You know, this uh, person said that they're betting on the Buccaneers to beat the Giants by three scores. No, I honestly think it's gonna be a close game. It's just whether it slips away from the Giants.
2: Um, I think this is gonna be a really tough matchup for them. I, you know, looking at in terms of. EPA. I think I had actually just tweeted something out before. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense, this is going to be a tough match. I think this is going to be an interesting matchup in the sense. It's one of those, like, if Daniel Jones and the Jacks offense plays well, then wow, okay, that's, that's pretty impressive. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they got blown out. I mean, right now, Tampa Bay on defense, they're number one in defensive EPA. They have the fourth-best pass defense in terms of EPA, the second-best run defense in EPA, second-best pass rush win rate, and second-best run stop win rate. Um, this is they're playing an incredible defense. This Tampa Bay defense is really, really good. So I, I don't think the Giants are going to win this football game. I, 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 There's nothing that makes me believe they're actually going to win this game. If they stay competitive, uh, I think that's a positive. Um, but this really, again, I think moving forward at this point, it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, um, Daniel Jones, what do we see with him? And it's simple as that. Is Daniel Jones playing well? Is Daniel Jones not playing well? That's really the main focus because that Eagles loss, that was tough. I mean, they should have won that game. Really puts them in a tough spot in the division. It looks like Philadelphia's getting some players back that that were injured. It looks like they're getting a little bit more healthy. So, I don't know. I I don't don't know. Um, It's going to be a tough matchup for the Giants. No question.
0: It's going to be interesting. And, you know... Uh, some players to look out for before I get to my keys of the game are obviously in the Sue, Antoine Wefield, Carlton Davis, Jamal Dean, Shaq Barrett, and JPP, who leads the team in five and a half, with five and a half sacks. And then you look at the offensive side of ball: Tom Brady, uh, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski. Now, obviously, James Bradbury has been one of the best corners in the league. So, will he struggle? We don't know. It could be expected, but let's just say you know Bradbury holds him like he held Amari Cooper, right? And, you know, I would expect Tom Brady to target either Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, or Rob Gronkowski. Because even though statistically the Giants haven't been that bad against tight ends this year, you saw the last game, what they did to Richard Rodgers or what they, you know, how they covered him, you know, it wasn't that great, you know, the chunk plays got to them, so I would expect, and especially if the size of Rob Gronkowski, he's six and, you know, he's a big dude, and, you know, he wants, you know, he wants the ball, you know, he's not just a run-blocking tight end as, you know, people poise him to be, but I think he can have a great game if, uh, Evans is locked down and Tom Brady goes you know what uh Evans is obviously not available let me attack uh Rob Gronkowski let me attack that secondary because I don't know who they'll have on him they might have a safety or they might even have somebody like Devonte Downs or Ryan Lewis I don't know what do you think about that um
2: look I mean the Giants at this point they're kind of just in a situation where the Baker really really hurt them um, because now, like you said, they're playing Ryan Lewis and they're, they're playing, you know, Madre Harper. They're playing, they had Corey Ballantine as their starting cornerback, uh, week one opposite James Bradbury. They're just in a tough spot. They don't have enough personnel at this point. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because even with like James Betcher last year, people would say all the time about James Betcher. Oh, you know, he's, defense he isn't good enough. And yeah, the defense is good enough because there's no good players. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you need players, you need talent. Um, now there are certain coaches that can elevate teams and units sure there are great coaches out there uh, that are great schematically can get the most out of certain players um but right now the Giants in their secondary they don't have Xavier McKinney DeAndre Baker obviously he's gone so they lost uh two big pieces McKinney hopefully will be back at the end of the year for for the Giants um but yeah when you're playing Ryan Lewis uh, you know Ryan Lewis look I think he showed some things, uh, you know, during during this season. I think he played well against the Rams. So as a depth option moving forward, yeah, I think next year the Giants have someone that, okay, he's shown he can at least make the team and he can provide some depth if they need him here, you know, to start a game here or there because of injury, then you got a guy. Um, but, you know, they're limited right now in the secondary with, with McKinney and not having a legitimate cornerback too. I mean, Biden Lewis and Andre Harper, those guys were practice squad level guys for a reason. And the same thing with Corey Valentin, um, before he really lost uh, any opportunity, he lost his his opportunity, but talking about a sixth round pick, I mean, you're talking about players undrafted, or you're talking about practice squad, practice squad, sixth round pick, these guys are not expected to make a big difference, and uh, as we've seen, you know, they haven't, they haven't made a difference, much of a difference, a big difference.
0: And it kind of hurts. I mean, obviously, he was out for one game. That was the last game. But uh, it doesn't help uh, in some cases. Obviously, Darnay Holmes was injured, but it doesn't help. He was struggling for the first, what, three games this season. Uh And then he got injured. And I think in a couple of cases, you had uh, Logan Ryan move to slot. And Julian Love, who has not been playing well this season, move to uh, the safety position. So it's going to be interesting with this secondary and you know it really is it just you know some things i don't know will they take a corner next year you know for the long term i mean obviously you have to look at free agent options and you know this is for the long term you know you, we still got how many games to go but do you draft a corner in the first two rounds do you get one in free agency for the short term i don't know it's going to be really interesting but for my three keys to win uh number one you need to stop tampa Based pass rush well i think they do it absolutely not uh cover Rob Gronkowski as I mentioned before I feel like he's poised to have a big game if Mike Evans is locked down and need to put and you need to put pressure on Tom Brady we've uh, I was watching Giants first and 10 the other day. was at least watching part of it, and they had on Justin Tuck. And, he, you know, he's like, oh, you know, the reason why Brady lost the Super Bowl is because we kept putting pressure on him. You know, how many times he's been sacked over uh, his career, at least in the Super Bowl, by the Giants. You know, they put pressure on him. That's what is the key to winning this game. And I think Patrick Graham understands that. And I think he's going to try to dilate um, something for this pass rush. But, um,. Overall, I would like to see Carter Coughlin get more time on the field because he actually didn't play any defensive snaps uh, last game. Cam Brown played more.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the Brady pressure thing, I, I get at the same time. though, no, it's tough. It's tough because right now I'm looking at it, and he is, what, the eighth quickest time to throw in the NFL. So he's a guy who gets rid of the football quick. And when you get rid of the football quick, it's tough to get after him. I mean, that virtually uh, eliminates the ability to really rush the pa- to rush a passer like Tom Brady when he's getting rid of the football two point six seconds. So um, it definitely sounds a little bit easier uh, said than done. I-, I think what we've seen with Patrick Graham too, especially on third downs, he doesn't really like to he doesn't really like to send more than three or four guys. Sometimes uh, it's a little bit questionable. I like Patrick Graham. I think he's actually done a very good job. Uh, I think the Giants are an improved, definitely an improved defense from last year, and that's still with a secondary that's banged up and doesn't have a good cornerback, too, and traded Marcus Golden now, um, Lorenzo Carter being hurt, O'Shane Zimis being hurt. I mean, I think Patrick Graham's done a great job. I think he's been a great hire for the Giants. So, um, But that being said, it's tough to get pressure on Tom Brady just because he gets through the football so quickly. I think it was a little, maybe a little bit easier to do that back in 2007, Super Bowl 42. Um, and right now the the Bucks Bucks offense is clicking. I believe they lead the league in points scored. So it's it's going to be a tough matchup. If I'm the Giants, honestly, I, I would just send pressure consistently. I send extra men on the rush consistently, and I would blitz, blitz because I just think if you send three or four, Tom Brady's just going to sit back there. He's going to find he's going to find spots and he's going to pick you apart. I don't think the strategy against Tom Brady sitting there and uh, and you know sending three or four guys and And just trying to have a natural pass rush, I don't think it's going to work. I I just think he'll find spots and he'll pick you apart. So, getting pressure on Brady is obviously the thing you want to do. It's tough to do that because he gets through the football so quickly. So, that being said, I think Patrick Graham dial up the blitz against Tom Brady, and uh, and I don't know force quick decision, force even quicker decision uh, decision makings, and trust trust your secondary a little bit more. I know it's tough because it's a bad secondary, but at the same time. I wouldn't say bad secondary, but it's a secondary that could be better. Um, but at the same time, I think he's going to pick. The, I think he's gonna pick them apart if he's sitting back there and he's not being pressured, or there's no pressure, no one in his face, no one putting their hands up on a three or four man rush.
0: I think whether they go at him or maybe they stay off of him. I mean, obviously, you know, part of the common sense thing is okay, put pressure on Tom Brady when he gets the ball out. Though you do need good covering uh personnel not just cornerbacks you need safeties or linebackers whether he gets it to Gronk or maybe a third wide receiver like Scotty Miller it really helps though that Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin are not going to be playing because if that were to happen I'm pretty sure I would be saying that the Giants would get blown out like they could get blown out but also it um depends on whether they're gonna stay in the game you know it's just like the Pittsburgh game you know it's whether it's they stay in it whether they you know kill themselves or they shoot themselves in the foot you know it's going to be it's going to be really interesting but uh you know it's the buccaneers so and you know if we i don't know play i would say decent let like maybe it's like a 24-10 game or maybe something less than that who knows maybe we could you know squeeze or compete against you know four teams in the second half of the season where you know they're competing for their respective divisions and they're over 500 so I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting thing to look at. Uh, Vincent, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me.